Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. Has anybody ever been told or maybe thought that you need to be present? Like, hey, you might be physically out of place, but mentally you've kind of checked out. And in other words, uh, have you ever been told or told somebody, hey, we need to live in the moment? Today we're going to be looking at a story by, from Jesus and we're going to look at his life where Jesus lives in this moment. And because he lives in this moment, he makes moments matter for many other people. If you're new with us, I just want to give you a special shout out. If you're joining us online, welcome. We are glad you are here. I want to encourage you, come back next week. Our fearless leader, Pastor Goss, will be back up here. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great time. And you don't want to miss our new series kicking off. The great Charles Spurgeon, uh, great theologian and pastor, he says this. He says this, the word of God is like a lion. You don't need to defend the lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend itself. And in other words, what we're going to do enter in is let God work by the reading through us, by the reading of his word and let things happen only God can control. So join me, John chapter four, verse 27 is going to be our main text this morning, our story. And we're going to be parachuting in to the closure of an encounter Jesus has with this woman at the well. And so, but before you do so, let me give you a little background, a little context of where we find Jesus and this story. First, John, the author, is writing the fourth gospel. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. It's a radically different book. See, the first three, te- the first three books of the New Testament, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're about Jesus' life. They, they follow Jesus' life, where he goes, the miracles he does, and these great events that happen. John tries to persuade the reader that not only is Jesus a man, but Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of God. He's that guy that if you believe in him, you will have everlasting life. He can radically change your life. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So John is saying right now, if you can listen to my message, the author of our story, if you can listen to what I have to tell you, you will not only believe in Jesus, but you will find everlasting life. You will find hope. You will find grace. You will find radical love. So we see Jesus. He's He's leaving this region called Judea outside of the town of Jerusalem, and he's traveling north. Now, Jewish people, you can see the map on the screens. Jewish people had typically two options when they would travel from Jerusalem to Galilee. And most of them would go around the region of Samaria. See, Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. They didn't want to be around Samaritans. Samaritans were considered a lower class individual, meaning they weren't holy like the Jewish people. No one wanted a a part of those people if you were Jewish. So Jewish people, whenever they'd have to travel north, could go two ways. They could go around the region or they could go right up the heart into the region and travel through an area that most people wouldn't want to go through from this culture. Jesus being Jesus, he does something and he thinks outside of the box. He does something that no one else would really anticipate or want to do. And he goes right up the heart, the direct shot, and he decides to travel from Jerusalem all the way to this city in Galilee. 
And as Jesus is traveling, he is going, uh, he, he's traveling and he arrives at this city of, called Sychar. Now Sychar is this interesting city. It's where Jacob's well is. And uh, that is where we're going to pick up our story. I'm going to paraphrase it. Many of you are familiar with this story. Uh, you've heard it if you've grown up in church. Maybe you're new here. But so let me just give you a recap of where we find Jesus. Jesus, he, he's traveling approximately 40 miles. They end up in this region, Samaria. And after, they, after he gets there, he sits at this city well. And he's sitting at the city well. He's, scripture says he's weary. He's tired. He's, he's exhausted from going on rough terrain, rocky, walking through hills and valleys. And he's ready to just rest and relax. And so he's sitting there at the well. And as he's sitting there at the well, this woman approaches. She's a Samaritan woman. And in other words, Jesus shouldn't have any association with her because she is of a different class than him. And Jesus is sitting there, this woman walks up, and Jesus asks her a question. He says, can you please give me a drink? She's puzzled, she's startled, she's like, wait, you're a Jewish man, why are you wanting to talk to me? This doesn't make sense in our culture, in our time, why are you wanting to talk to me? So she asks Jesus, why do you ask this of me? And Jesus goes on to have this divine encounter with her where he talks to her and he ministers, or ministers to her and she goes from understanding that Jesus is not just a man, he's not just a prophet, but he is the Messiah. And this encounter with this woman, this moment Jesus has with this woman radically shapes the future of many people in the city in the times to come. So she goes from understanding that she had a physical need for water to now understanding she had a spiritual need of water, a living water, and Jesus gives her hope. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John, if you haven't done so yet, John chapter 4, verses 27, and we're going to conclude the conversation right here. The encounter ends in verse 26. It says this, it says, then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. And this is where we get going in our text. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left the water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. They're, they're puzzled right now. The disciples are like, what's he talking about? They go, did, did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other, like no one in Samaria would really like him. No one in the Samaria would uh, give him food. And then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest and the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is for people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work and now you get to gather the harvest. Before we go any further, let's go ahead and pray for the reading of God's word. If you'll bow your heads with me. Lord, we give you this time, we give you this praise. We pray that you radically show up, show out, and may we leave here transformed and better than the way we came in by applying your word to our life. Everyone in this room, we give you praise in your great and holy name. We all say, amen. 
Today I want to talk to you about this idea how God gives us moments to make tomorrow's moments matter. My, my wife and I, we have a, an amazing little family. You'll see us on the screen right here. I'm a little biased, right? Like, you'll see her up here. She uh, has recently gone with a hair color change. It's red, but she sings up here sometimes, and she has an incredible voice. We have our three-year-old. His name is Bodie, and our two-year-old, he's a little guy standing. His name is Briar. And these are our children. This is our squad. This is our Hanson family. Uh, I want my boys to be a middle infield or a starting uh, point guard and shooting guard. Brittany wants them to be the next Hanson family band. Uh, so we're, we're a little everywhere right now. Well, our oldest, our oldest he, he wakes up one morning, and when he wakes up, he instantly wants breakfast. We're the early birds of the family. He comes out, and he says, Daddy, I want breakfast. I said, okay, well, what do you want? Give him some options, healthy options from toast, eggs, maybe when I'm feeling like it, we're throwing some bacon on there, maybe it's cereal. I'm giving him all these breakfast options. He looks at me, and he says, Daddy, I want candy. I say, Bodhi, you cannot have candy for breakfast. He's mad at this point. He's fuming at this point. And so he starts screaming. And when they're three, like they have a loud scream and it's piercing to the ears. And he's screaming and he goes on for about an hour straight. And I'm like, Bodie, calm down. Like, I'll give you all the good stuff. I'll give you the sweet breakfast food, the healthy stuff. Here's an apple. Here's a strawberry. I'll throw some whipped cream on it. Stop screaming. You're waking up the neighborhood. Just stop. And he wouldn't. So an hour goes by. I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, all right, whew. That's good. I got 10 minutes and then I'm gone for work for the rest of the day. That's nine hours. Brittany, you will officially be the only one that has to handle this, this child right now. So, so I leave for work and I'm texting Brittany the whole time. Hey, how's he doing? Has he recovered? And, and he has just a, a rough day. So I get home from work and I'm like, hey, well, let's make it a little easier. Let me just, let's go pick up some food. Let's get him out of the house. Let's uh, do something together as a family, you know. And so we end up going over to uh, Papa's house. So we, we show up at Papa's house and he's like, daddy, Papa gives me candy for breakfast. I'm instantly like, all right, dad, you, me, let's talk. Like, let's go. Come on, man. Like, why are you doing this to me? You're making our lives hard. But as we see this encounter and we see our children interact with their grandparents, we just sit back and it brings so much joy to our life, mine and Brittany's. We see this unique relationship that these individuals have. And we leave there after having a long day at work and screaming children, being an exhausted young family. We leave there. We get in the car. The boys are in the back. We're getting ready to go call it a night. And we look at each other and we're just like, we just have to enjoy the moments. I think many times we look past the current moments to, man, I just have to get through it. I just have to slug it out to live to fight another day. If you're a young family or have kids, you can relate with that. You can understand that, man, raising children, it is hard. It's like, oh, maybe they won't be screaming tomorrow morning. Maybe they'll just have this tantrum right now in this time. Or maybe you're at work and you have a boss and you and your boss don't see eye to eye. You have been mistreated and you know the real issue of what's going on. So you just keep your head down like, I'm just going to work these days, work these years and retire when I can. Or maybe some of us in here, we have some real family issues going on, some 
deep-seated items in our hearts and our minds that we just haven't been able to recover from. And we just say, you know what, like, I'm depleted spiritually, I'm depleted mentally, I'm depleted physically, I feel like I'm the only one keeping my head above water, and you're struggling, and you're saying, I just have to reach to tomorrow, and you're grasping, and you're grasping, saying, I just have to make it. Well, I'm here to tell you because that God gives, God gives us unique moments because he wants to make tomorrow's moments matter in your life. But it starts with a moment. God gives us today's moments to make tomorrow's moments matter. We make today's moments matter. Number one for us is this, by engaging with others. Think of the greatest moments you've had in your life. When you graduate college or high school, you, you walk across the stage and the fans, your family, your friends, your relatives, they, they blow the air horns, they raise the signs and say, you did it, you, you reached a milestone. Or maybe you get married, you walk down that aisle, you have the bridal party there, you have family. I mean, you have that family that shows up and you don't even know you're related, but you're like, hey, come on, you can have some dinner on us as long as you give us a nice wedding present. Like, we, we have these moments in our lives where uh, we open a business, and some of our best customers are our close family friends, our people around us, our people we grew up with, people that you interact with you never expected. The greatest moments we have in life involve other people. Maybe if you're a parent in the room, you can understand, I'm in that season of life, that first time you see your child takes your breath away. There's a connection, there's a point that you can't even understand. Moments in our life, moments in our life are made to matter when we engage with others. 4, 26 through 27, you'll see this, and just then the disciples came back, and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. They were shocked to see Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman. And this is why it's so amazing that Jesus is encountering with this lady. First, she's a Samaritan of a different class. See, she's socially not on Jesus' level. She's not holy enough to be around Jesus. Secondly, she's a woman. Scholars believe that if it would rather burn the, uh, burn the law during first century than teach that law to a woman. And then three, Jesus also teaches and talks to this woman. He has this encounter with this woman. He's engaging with this other lady. And he encounters her, and she lives a scandalous life. Jesus is saying, like, you have more than one husband. Like, like you know people if you pick up what I'm putting down. So Jesus shouldn't have this moment with her, but he engages with her. He engages with her in her comfort zone. I think sometimes as churchgoers, we get a little confused, we get a little mixed up, and I think we forget that for some of us who've never been to church before, when we walk through these doors, it can be overwhelming. Like, I don't know the words of the song, what's going to happen now, he's going to speak, I don't know what kind of message it's going to be. Like, where do I put my kids, where's the bathroom? And sometimes I think we forget that. Jesus met this lady at the well, a city, a city epicenter where she felt comfortable approaching, where she could engage. Some of us, we miss that. We forget that. Engage in people's comfort zones when we make moments matter. Jesus engaged with her by finding common ground. She was thirsty. Jesus was thirsty. They're hanging out at the well. I think all of us who are in this room, we have at least 10% in common. 
One of our youth leaders, because give a shout out to our youth right up here, let's go. All right, come on, we'll work there, we'll get there. One of our youth leaders told me, hey, find 10% in common and then engage that student on that 10% and you can't go wrong. I was like, man, that's gold. I think all of us, when we engage with people, we need to find that 10% common ground. This way Jesus saw this lady drinking water, wanting water, he engages with her. Jesus engaged at all times. Jesus was traveling approximately 40 miles. He was tired. It was by foot rough terrain. For many of us, it's like, hey, we're going through something challenging, physically depleted. I don't, I'm like, I'm 50-50 introvert, extroverted. I'm like, hey, if I'm tired, like I need to dial it down. I need to kind of pull back. Jesus was tired. He was exhausted, had every right. He was running basically for his life and running from critics. And yet he engages with them. He engages with this woman when he had the opportunity to say, I'm going to shut it down. And then number four, too, when it comes to engagement, he says, Jesus engaged with everybody. People that look different than them, that talk different than them, that acted different than them. In our perspective, when we engage with people, we should engage with people who aren't like us. It's not about us. Jesus teaches us that when he engages with people. Making moments matter means we engage with people. Number two for us today is this. When we make moments matter, we are encouraging questions. But none of them had the nerve to ask. This is, we're talking about the disciples. What do you want with her? Or why are you talking with her? I can imagine the disciples, they're, they're, they're coming up to Jesus and they're puzzled. They went into town to go get food. Jesus is now encountering this woman at the well. And he's sitting there and he's talking to her and they're having this conversation. And they're like, Jesus, do you know who she is? We heard about her name back there from the, the traveling lodge, the traveling spot, the food market. They know her name because she's pretty popular in the city. But Jesus, you're talking to her. Like, I, I can see the disciples approaching, like, yo, are you going to ask or am I going to ask? Like, I don't want to ask Jesus, but, you know, like, they're going back and forth. They're like, all right, then let's not ask. They're curious. But also, scholars note, the reason the disciples didn't ask is because they are so mesmerized that this Messiah, this man they were following, was encountering a lady and showing such great love grace and mercy and giving her a living water. It was mesmerizing. They had questions to ask. I believe as followers of Christ, followers of Jesus, if we have a relationship, we should live a life that encourages questions. Jesus has asked approximately 183 questions in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He only, some, he only answers approximately three of them. But Jesus has asked these questions because he lives such a polarizing life. People should be asking us questions. Hey, why do you attend church? Why are you so kind to that person that's so mean to you? Why don't you hawk when that person cuts you off on Bay Shore? Like, why aren't you yelling at that person who's laying on the horn at you when you're pulling out or when we're all piled up in the middle turn lanes and you're like, I can't see, I was here first, what am I gonna do? But you're sitting there in the car and people are just like, hey, you're keeping it cool, calm, and collected. That's, that's pretty awesome. I think we should live a life that encourages questions. If people aren't asking questions about your life, then maybe we need to tune it in a little bit to how we need to live and walk like Jesus. So Jesus not only gets asked questions, but he asks questions. 
I think when you ask questions, you show you're interested in someone and you also show you care for someone. Jesus almost asked double the amount of questions that he's asked. This whole encounter, this whole moment that Jesus has that goes from reaching one person to now reaching a city is he started off with a question. May I have some water? She goes, why do you ask this of me? 307 questions Jesus asks people. When we ask questions, if it's our spouse, if it's our child, if it's grandparents, if it's coworkers, how are you doing? What's going on? What can I pray with you about? You impact and you show you care. You show you love. You show you're interested. Jesus encourages questions. Number three for us today is this. Whenever we, whenever we look at moments, whenever we make moments matter, we clarify what is valuable. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And in other words, Jesus calls her out on her sin. Jesus knows. At this time, she's assuming, okay, he's a prophet. He's this man. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village. See, this woman, she had this smaller issue, this physical need that she was needing. She needed that water. But it's interesting in this counter because she goes to get this water. Jesus is there at the well. And as she goes to get the water, she has this encounter. And then she realizes it's not about her physical need that matters or the physical possessions. She forgets getting the water. She forgets her jar. And then she runs, walks hastily, walks with a disturbance to other people. I think in this counter, we see that, you know what? What matters is what? First, acknowledging who Jesus is and can be in your life. John, the author, he's persuading us. Number two is this, people matter. The greatest moments we have, typically people are involved with. People matter. Dr. Eben Alexander III, a prominent neurosurgeon, had an infection in his brain that sent him into a comatose for approximately a week. His family, his friends, they expected the worst. Doctors basically called it and they're ready to pull the plug and um, things were just going on a very, very downward trajectory. And then all of a sudden he's radically healed. People have no answer for it. He comes back, he has this experience he talks about and he says two things were made evident in his life. First is this, that one, his relationship with God matters and two, to love people unconditionally. I think so many times we say we love people unconditionally, but yet we're waiting for the conditions to change. Jesus is showing that he matters and people matter. He matters and people matter. And maybe you're in this place and you're wrestling with your relationship with God. Maybe you're wrestling with your relationship with people. My prayer, my hope is to give you next steps at the end of service, a way that we can help and walk alongside you. It's a family, it's a team effort. We all are people in process and we understand that but we want to stand with you there and we want to give you next steps to start a relationship with Jesus and help you any way we can at the conclusion of service. So as we continue to make moments matter, we do this, we embrace the mission. We continually embracing the mission. Meanwhile, the disciples, they're urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. They're, they're, they're puzzled here. They're like, you're a fool. We don't understand that. Why? 
Did someone bring him somewhere in Samaria? No one likes Jewish people in Samaria. Why is this happening? The disciples asked each other, did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment, my meat, what makes me full comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Jesus and the disciples, they stopped about halfway. They're tired, they're they're worn out. They went to go get food. Jesus is there at the well. He had every right, like many of us sometimes do, is to take the mission off, to, to cool it down a little bit, to relax, to maybe not engage. But Jesus says, the mission is always a go. 365, 24-7, the mission is always a go. Jesus, he's weary, scripture says. He is physically depleted. His disciples go, he sits there resting. He's leading. He's running for his life. He's mentally exhausted, spiritually exhausted, and he is battling the human nature of who he is. And as he's in this moment, he continues to embrace the mission. He talks with this lady. He loves this lady. He gives her an opportunity to to experience hope and radical grace. Despite how he felt. The other day, Valentine's Day, my wife and I, we went out. Uh, Typically, we don't go out on Valentine's Day. And I'm a good husband, so I let my wife plan Valentine's Day. Can I get an amen, fellas? Okay, I got booed there. No, but you, you, so my wife, she plans Valentine's Day. She's a sweetheart. I love her. She is so dear. I talk about her often because she is legitimately my partner in ministry, my partner in life, and my best friend. So she, she plans uh, Valentine's Day. She's so thoughtful. She knows one thing that I love to do is take an Uber or Lyft. The reason I like taking Ubers or Lyft, if you're not familiar with what an Uber is or a Lyft is, it's called a ride-sharing service. And in other words, you pull out your phone, you type in your destination, and you type in your pickup location. The driver comes over, they pick you up, and they drop you off for a pretty good fare, and it's pretty fun. And the reason I like it is because you get to meet all these different people, all these unique people. And uh, it's always fun. I love meeting new people, engaging with new people. And, and so we're there and we, we go to dinner. We have dinner at Fort Myers Beach on the water. It's perfect. And now it's getting super late, like super, super late. I'm getting exhausted. Like I worked all day. So 930 hits. There you go. And I'm like, all right, it's time, it's, whew, it's time to pull that Uber back up. So pull the Uber back. Now, whenever you get an Uber driver, there's typically two kinds of Uber drivers or Lyft drivers. Maybe some of you can relate if you understand this. Is you got what I deem as the chatty Cathy. I mean, they ask you questions. They talk to you. They, they engage with you. And they think the more they talk, the more tip or the better tip they will have. Which sometimes is the case, but sometimes not. And then you have the other kind of Uber driver, and that's the person that just sits there silent. They don't even acknowledge you when you get in the car. And sometimes you wonder if they even remember you're in the car. And so we pick up, the, so we get this uh, Uber, comes, picks us up, and uh, as we're getting in the car, we're, we're there, and I could just tell instantly. I'm like, I'm tired, it's 9.30, I want to go to sleep, we have no kids, it's Valentine's Day, I'm on a date with my wife, and they're just asking questions. What do you do? Where'd you move from? What's your name? What's your kids' names? And so I'm giving like these one, like as limited responses as I can. 
my wife being a sweetheart, she's like engaging 100%. She's talking, she's carrying the conversation. I'm looking at her like, just, yo, like you're feeling this, like be quiet, like let's relax. Like, come on, you know, like help me out. So we're in the car 15, 20 minutes. Finally, the, the driver drops us off at our house. We're in the driveway and we walk in. I could just tell, you know, fellas, you know, whenever you just can tell with, the, with your love, like you look and I'm like, all right, she has something to say. So, hey, darling, what do you want to say? She goes, Blake, and it spoke to me. I'll never forget it in my mind. It, it spoke to me. She goes, Blake, you know, we only have certain moments with certain people. And I knew what she was saying. She was saying that, Blake, you had a moment with somebody and you were tired, you worked all day, but you didn't engage with them hardly at all. You acted smug. Like I knew she didn't say that. She said her beautiful, nice, sweet self words, but I knew really what she was kind of poking at, that I turned that mission off. I said, hey, I'm gonna be Blake. I'm not gonna worry about it. Rather than Jesus saying, hey, there's this woman at the well. I don't care who you are, engage with her. Embrace the mission. It's always a go. 365 days a year, 24 seven, we need to be ambassadors. The apostle Paul calls us ambassadors into our world, engaging with people on their comfort zone. So many times when we get tired, we dial it in. We say, hey, you know what? I'm just gonna relax for this little bit. And number five for us today when it comes to our text is this. We need to be enjoying the reward. Living in moments, today's moments, by enjoying the reward. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. This is probably a first century Jewish proverb. Uh, But Jesus says this, but I say, wake up and look around. He's talking to the disciples. The fields are already ripe for harvest and the harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit of their harvest, or And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants, another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. And now you get to gather the harvest. See, Jesus is clearly talking about there's times when we sow, there's times when we plant. But there's also times where we get to pull our head up and we get to enjoy I think in the American culture, we put our head down, we work hard, and we hustle and hustle and hustle, and we we forget that, hey, life is happening around us. People are actual around us. Valuing God, valuing people, that's what matters. Enjoy the reward. Maybe you're in here today and you have family, you have friends. Enjoy them. Enjoy what God's doing in your church. Enjoy what God's doing in your friend's church. Enjoy what God's doing in the church down the street. We enjoy the reward, Jesus is saying. Can you imagine the disciples? They're, they're, they're there, they're sitting, they're listening. They're like, Jesus, they're puzzled. And Jesus is saying, I took a moment with this lady. And then people came streaming out of that village because I took one moment with one woman. Now, disciples, you get to enjoy this time. You get to enjoy these people coming out of the city and coming out of their homes to experience this radical message, this radical love of Jesus, of who he is. I can think of another time that's very similar for us, right? As we wrap up this morning, Jesus has this unique way of kind of showing stuff. The scriptures, it's all intertwined. Uh, Jesus is telling us to enjoy the reward. 
Jesus went to the cross for each and every one of us, no matter what's happened, no matter what we've gone through, no matter how many mistakes we've made, no matter how much maybe dark things we piled in our closet. Jesus goes to the cross. He endures something that is, words can't even describe the punishment he held the punishment that he took upon his self so we wouldn't have to. Jesus is just saying, hey, if if you drink of my living water, he's talking to this woman, he's talking to us through the text, and he's saying, if you drink of my living water, you get to enjoy the reward. You get to have relationship with God the Father. You get to have relationship with him. Our eternity at times hangs in the balance of understanding some of these things where we, we miss moments because we think about tomorrow. Psychologists think that we spend across the American nation, American citizens, 50% of our time thinking about tomorrow, but that tomorrow might not happen, but our moments today do. When you make that moment of today pivotal in your life, when you make it about that moment, when you're engaging with others, when you're encouraging a life of questions, you go from that moment to seeing lives ultimately matter and change. Today, maybe you're in here as we conclude and we close in prayer. There's some of us in this place that maybe you haven't started a relationship with Jesus Christ. In your bulletin that you received, there's a little tear off in there. You can fill it out. Let us know. And we believe in action steps here at Faith because when you do that, what you're signaling to us is that you are serious and you want to take a step. You want to say, hey, I want to get my life right with God. I want to take that step and follow Jesus. I want a little bit of that living water. I want to engage in that moment so I can make my moments tomorrow matter and the family and the friends, my coworkers matter. Or maybe there's some of us in this room. You're just thinking about tomorrow going through some struggles life's hard it's difficult and some things are just hitting you in the heart and you don't know what to do maybe you're in here maybe you just need to focus on that moment today so then those moments will tomorrow will matter tomorrow there's numerous times in our life, we think about tomorrow rather than the moment now. It started with a well and it ended up to a city. Started with a well, ended up to the masses. So I'm gonna ask you to pray with me as we close. Bow your heads, close your eyes. God, right now, I pray that you be with the individuals in this room, the the leaders in uh God, right now, I pray that you continue to move in this place. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're battling, no matter what is pressed upon our lives. God, I pray that those who are in this place that need a relationship with you now, start now, and they engage in that moment with you. God, I also pray for those in this place that are thinking about tomorrow or thinking about the days to come, and they engage and be present in the moments now. Because God, that's what it's about. That's what you've called us to do. You showed us through your son, Jesus, in the story of this woman at the well, that when we encounter in the moments of today, tomorrow's moments matter. God, be with us. 
We give you this time and we give you this praise and may we leave here better than the way we came in. In your great and holy name, all of us in this room say amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.